Well, g'day friends, it's great to be with you and to be giving this last talk in our series on holiness. Let me begin by praying for us. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Heavenly Father, loving God, holy God, we pray that you'll be with us now. Uh, as we consider this subject, once again, thank you for all that you've done for us through Christ. And we ask that now you will encourage us, teach us, so that we may live this high calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder, are you familiar with the saying, Houston, we have a problem? It comes from the uh, movie Apollo 13 when the astronaut John Swigert realises there's something very, very wrong with Apollo 13 and so contacts Houston and says, you know, the famous quote, Houston, we have a problem. It's a short statement that carries an enormously significant message that if this isn't sorted out, it means life and death for all of us. Well, as we've gone through the this, this series on holiness, one verse has constantly struck me as a kind of a Houston, we have a problem verse. It's Hebrews 12, verse 14. It says, make every effort to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. This verse is a warning shot across everyone's bow that says, please take notice, please sort this problem out because it means eternal life or eternal death. My desire to know God, to see God, to live with God is contingent on me being holy. It's a truth we can't ignore because it's repeatedly illustrated and emphasised in the Bible. Right at the start, Adam and Eve uh, sinned and so could no longer see the Lord. They were thrown out of God's presence. Remember when Israel met, met God at Mount Sinai? They fled from God. Because of his holiness and their sin, they could not bear to see or hear God. And in Isaiah chapter 6, even the great and righteous prophet Isaiah he just had a vision of God's holiness and that caused him to fall down and hide his face from God. You see, it's true. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Well, God knows this better than we do. And he's done something about it. It's the gospel. Because he is merciful and loving and gracious, he makes it possible for us to be holy through Jesus. And there are two aspects or sides to the holiness that Jesus makes possible. I think of them as positional holiness and progressive holiness. It might be helpful to think of holiness as a two-sided coin. It's one and the same coin, and it always has two sides. When it comes to the coin of our holiness, those two sides are positional and progressive. So what do I mean? By positional. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Greg took us to 2 Corinthians 5, where it tells us that at the cross, Jesus made a great exchange. He took our sin and paid its full penalty so that in him we can be right with God. Through Jesus, 
I'm a new creation. I've been given a new life. I've been given a new position before God of being holy. Hebrews 10.19 says that we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. See, Jesus gives me this new position, this new status before God. So what do I mean by progressive holiness? Well, this new life, this new internal life, produces a new external life. Jesus gives me his Holy Spirit and he's not called holy for nothing. As I live by faith, trusting in Christ, the Spirit empowers me to live out the obedience of faith, to live a holy life. And so we've seen, the New Testament tells us that by Jesus' Spirit, I'm convicted of sin and righteousness and so know how I should live, John 16, 8-10. Through the power of the Spirit, I progressively put to death the deeds of the flesh and live, Romans 8. With Jesus' help by his Spirit, I put off the old clothes of a sinful life and put on the righteous clothes of a holy life, Colossians. Holiness grows, it progresses in my life just like a tree bearing fruit. The Bible calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You see, God has made it possible for sinners such as you and me to be holy and to grow in holiness through his great gospel. Positional holiness and progressive holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So God's intention for us is that this be our priority in life, that holiness be our purpose for life and our pathway through life. And to think about that, I want you to turn to 1 Peter, if you're not already there. Peter describes Christians as aliens and strangers. The old word that I remember is sojourner. That is, travellers through a world to which we don't belong. Now, the backdrop to this kind of idea is the children of Israel wandering through the desert on their way to the, the promised land. It's, a, it's a, an idea that's picked up in 1 Corinthians 10 in Hebrews as a great warning to us. God saved these people, set them apart to be holy, said they should live holy lives, but they failed, and so they never made the promised land. Well, Peter picks up God's purpose for Israel and applies it directly to us. This is his purpose for us. Uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Look at that. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. See, that's God's purpose for us. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That's why he chose us. Just turn back to 1, uh, 15 to 16. He applies directly to us the words that God spoke to Israel at Mount Sinai. 1 Peter 1.15 But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. 
See, this is God's purpose in saving us. It was his purpose in saving his Old Testament people and it's his purpose for us so that we would be holy. And as his holy people, as his royal priesthood, we would make his great name and character known to our lost world. But notice that the pathway of holiness is part and parcel. It's tied to our purpose. So look at 1 verse 17. If you appeal to the, to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. And he says the same thing, a similar thing back in 2 verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honourably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits us. See, it's talking about a way of life on our journey, um, our conduct. God's holiness is God's purpose for us and it is his pathway for us. The question is, is it your purpose for your life? Is it your pathway in life? You see, it must be because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Our positional holiness in Christ must be lived out in progressive holiness. That's what it means to be God's holy people. Well, at the end of the Bible, we have described for us the end of our journey. God's purposes for us, our life's pathway, Revelation 20, 19 to 21 says, ends in a wedding, our wedding. Uh, could you please turn to the end of Revelation? One thing we all know about weddings is that it's always about the dress. It's always about what the bride's wearing, right? That's where the effort, the expense, it all goes. It's all about the wedding dress. Well, in the wedding at the end of Revelation, it's also about the wedding dress. 21 verse 2 mentions the bride beautifully prepared and dressed for her husband. But the wedding actually starts in, back in chapter 19. So as, I, as we look at this text and, and read about this wedding, just keep an eye out for what it is that the bride is wearing. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb, that is, Jesus, has come. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the linen, the fine linen, is the righteous deeds of the saints. You notice what the beautiful fine linen dress is made of? The righteous deeds of the saints. Well, the saints are Christians. The bride is the church. It's talking about you and I. You see, 
it's carrying this idea again that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Those who are not adorned in righteous deeds, those who are not holy, are not welcome. Well, that's what happens in chapter 21. In chapter 21, uh, John does what he always does, mixes his metaphors. And so we have the holy city and the new Jerusalem and the bride adorned for a husband. These all speak of relationship with God. They're all one and the same thing. It speaks of living with God, of being one with God. That's where verse 3 takes us. See what it says? Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And as we read on, we see the different outcomes for those who are holy and those who are not. Look at verse 6. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. See, it's only those who conquer who get to live with God. So what does it mean to conquer? Well, this idea actually comes from earlier in Revelations in chapter uh, chapter 2 and 3 in the seven letters to the churches. In these letters, Jesus warns the churches about their tolerance of sin. He tells them to repent of their sin, encourages those who will listen, uh, those who have ears to hear, to listen and to conquer um, their sin. And he promises those who do an eternal life with God. Here's an example, the letter to Sardis in chapter 3. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you are not alert, I will come like a thief and you will have no idea at what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defied their clothes and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the one who conquers will be dressed in white clothes and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, I encourage you to read those seven letters and take them to heart. It is really sobering to see what is said of the people who belong to these churches. It says they've lost their first love. Some have a reputation for being alive You know, they say they're Christians, say, go to church, I guess, but Jesus says, you're dead. Some tolerate false teaching. They don't care what they hear. Uh, Some are interested only in wealth and comfort, and, and Jesus says, you're poor and pitiful. Some are immoral. The letters encourage um, us to constantly repent of our sin and to keep on conquering our sin and bearing witness to Jesus. You see, those who have conquered are those who have dressed themselves in righteous deeds, those who have had a purpose of holiness and walked the pathway of holiness. 
But those who are not dressed in righteous clothing, those who have not overcome, who are faithless and cowardly, well, they're not welcome. They're banished to a terrible place. So 21 verse 8 says, But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulphur, which is the second death. A few years ago now, I officiated a wedding in Tamworth. One of the cousins of the groom, in an attempt to be funny, turned up dressed something like this bloke. Well, the parents of the bride didn't know him, didn't know who he was, and didn't like what he was wearing. And so they walked up to him and told him to leave. They told him he was not welcome. So he wasn't dressed for the wedding. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. The question that Revelation asks of all believers is, are you preparing yourself are you dressing yourself for your wedding? But that must be our purpose. That must be our pathway. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But what a reward for those who stand in Jesus and fight the fight. An end to the struggle. An end to tears. An end to pain. An end to death itself. And best of all, we will see God. We will live with God as his saved and sanctified sons and daughters forever. So friends, praise God for that. Make holiness your purpose. Make holiness your pathway.